fuel poverty. You get off the bus at Hamilton and you're right at the district council offices. So you get in there, you pay your poll tax, come out of there and go into Dunfermline. You pay your mortgage. Go down the street and round the corner and that is you in to pay your electricity. Once you have done all those three things, what you have got left has got to feed you for the whole week, right? If you pay your rent, your electricity, if you don't have enough to live in, you get and shut that door and nobody needs to know. People on low incomes come upon a whole range of problems, unknown to those who are better off. You will hear about just one issue that lack of money entails the struggle to keep warm. However you measure it, fuel poverty is a particular problem in Scotland. Angela Yee from Age Concern Scotland explains. In Scotland, the cold is associated with the excess number of winter deaths that we have each year. And we have a, a higher rate of winter deaths in Scotland than than the UK, for instance, if you compare it to countries like Scandinavia, the concept of excess death in winters is new to them. They don't quite know what we mean. Jacqueline Carlin works in a community advice centre in Dundee. In her view, the signs of poverty are becoming more visible. Well, I, th I think over the last 10 years or so, like every place, the, the work situation has worsened. There's a lot of factories that we had here have closed down. Unemployment in itself brings the lack of the ability to do anything with your family. That People don't have the money to do anything, you know, to make their lives better. Um, the ability to buy food, decent food, heat their properties, things like that. You know, you can see the poverty now, whereas before it was probably a bit more hidden. Angela Yee details the scale of the problem. The statistics that we have at the moment shows about 738,000 households having to spend more than 10% of their income on energy. And that's a, a fairly accepted definition of fuel poverty. If you have to spend more, then you're fuel poor. In those figures, 69,000 older householders, people whose houses are headed by someone over 60, have faced extreme fuel poverty. That means they would really need to spend more than 20% of their income Ian Trainer is an energy advisor in Dundee. He's familiar with the types of housing in the city and the problems of heating. Well, these are traditional Scottish tenement blocks, as we call them. They're built either just at the turn of the century or just after, and it's traditional stone. The walls here are sometimes two to three feet thick, and traditionally they're quite large room in some of these blocks, so a lot of people find a problem actually heating these houses. Traditionally, we find, too, that it's normally bottled gas where there's no certain heating, and this causes all sorts of problems, horrendous condensation, and, of course, it affects uh, the health life, uh, particularly in the winter, when uh, condensation really is excessive. And then when we turn our backs here, we look to the, the skyscrapers that we have in Dundee here, and when we look at this at the hill town, as the name suggests, we're sitting fairly high up from the city centre in Dundee itself, and these blocks really are prominent when you come across and see the skyline of Dundee. And again, we look at some of the problems involved. They're all electrically, centrally heated. But there's very, very few people in these blocks actually use the heating. If they were to put their central heating on now, you'd be talking about £50 a month to try and keep that warm. That's only warm. That's not really a comfortable heat. 
Working in collaboration with Dundee City Council, Ian Trainer runs SCARF. SCARF, what it stands for is to save cash and reduce fuel. So we're interested in saving householders cash and also reducing the amount of fuel that they actually need. So they go hand in hand together. The biggest impact we try to make is with the, the fuel poor uh, in Scotland. We do have a, a very high amount of people that suffer from fuel poverty at the moment. SCARF actually covers Aberdeen City, Aberdeenshire, it covers uh, the city of Dundee and also Perth and Kinross, which is over 12,500 square miles. So we really cover a vast uh, amount of the east coast of Scotland and we do tackle different projects and offer help wherever we can relating to energy matters. Thomas Marnie is one of the people Ian is helping. Before moving into his present accommodation, he ran into serious difficulties paying his bills. The situation was that Mr Marnie had no gas supply and the amount outstanding was £54, uh, which is a really a nominal sum. So what we done was, uh, got some details from Mr Marnie, contacted Scottish Gas, who informed us that he'd been in this situation for over three years. Um, so we asked, could they restore the gas supply that night? And eventually they seen reason and connected the gas supply that night. We got that back on and what we agreed to do is monitor the, the gas consumption and make sure that's never happened again. So we've been entering into dialogue with Scottish Gas just to try and resolve this. We feel that they've got some responsibility in the matter too, that they've just left them for over three years. So what we've done is contacted Cheshart and Stoke Scotland who agreed that they would pay the gas bill. Mr Marnie spent his life working in the polypropylene fibre business, which took its toll on his health. And that work was there for 23 years. About 15 years out of that, I was breathing in polythene dust 12 years a day. When I was told I had to see the watch doctor, he told me I had emphysema. I was, wasn't a fit for work any longer. So I saw the director and he says, uh, sorry Mr Marnie, but we'll have to pay you off through your health. The benefits I get is uh, incapacity and my pension from the work. The good thing about it is that it's, I get my incapacity weekly, pension I get monthly, which is a very small pension. It's only £15 a week, £65 a month. Well, as I said, by the time I was off my work, we had to pay the full rent, which is about £30 a week for one pokey wee plus. Electric to get, gas to get, food to get, clothes to get. So I just skipped my rent occasional times. As well as skipping the gas, and skipping the electric. I had to do it. Just couldn't do nothing else. So, as I said, you had to rob Peter to pay Paul, or vice versa. Couldn't do everything. Then what got you in deeper trouble, you paid your rent, you had £10 left. The electric goes up, so you're scant even the money. So what do you do? You got some of your friends and body tenor. What's you get dead easy? But you're putting yourself in a worse mess. Because they're going to rob somebody to pay that £10 back. Somebody doesn't get paid that week. So it's just a vicious circle. 
Debt is probably the biggest problem that Ian Trainer comes across. The most common one is when they have a, a bill, maybe seven, eight hundred pounds. They come to us and say, "We cannot pay this." And I would normally ask them, "Have you contacted the utility?" And they say, "Yeah." And I ask them, "What kind of offer have they made for you to pay this account?" And based on that information, I'll go back to the utility and say, "Well, you really should be offering them something better than what you have offered them." Jackie Carlin, who's now an advice worker, has experienced debt herself. A friend told her that a dry meter would be cheaper to run. It's just a meter. You don't have to pay it as you go. They bill you. So I got that one in, and they didn't come to read it for a year. And although I kept saying I'm going to have to phone them, you just—it's not priority. And it was a year before I actually got into gear and said, "Look, I'm going to have to phone them." The hydroelectric sent me a bill for nine hundred pounds, which I couldn't afford to pay at once. They gave me seven days to pay it. Then they asked me for fifty-seven pound a week, which was approximately three quarters of my income support per week, which was unbelievable because there was no way I could live off that. Ian Trainer helped her out as well. I'd worked for hydroelectric in a fairly senior position for sixteen years, so I know the billing system. Fairly well, I discovered that there was an inaccuracy on the billing system. So, based on that, they actually gave her a hundred pound reduction on the bill. We were then able to have a card meter installed, and we recovered that outstanding money at two pound fifty per week, which is a much more sensible option because if the utilities make unrealistic payment requests, the tenant will default. And of course, the whole scenario starts up again. That the debt builds up again. They come back to us. So, it's a two-way thing. That we are actually trying to ask them to act responsibly, and really, we make an agreement. Then let's stick to this agreement line because there's no point in exacerbating the situation that they keep continually coming back to us. So we have to empower them to let's act sensibly here. The use of card meters can be a solution, but they're not without their drawbacks. It is a higher rate, as such, because they never really enjoy any of the benefits that a direct debit customer would enjoy. They would enjoy a four percent discount. But my understanding, I I see someone is going to the post office every week and paying fifteen pound is just as good as a direct debit customer. But these benefits are never passed on to the the quantum meter customers or the card meter customers, as we like to know them. I also know numerous amounts of people who get into problems with their electricity because of not being able to pay, and they get the card meters and they cut their cards and they can use it twice, but they don't realise that when their bill eventually, when their meters eventually read, they haven't actually bought the amount of cards that they're using, so they're going to be billed anyway, and the, the cycle goes on again. People can't afford to pay them. Other people often make ends meet in a very simple way. As Angela Yee from Age Concern explains, I think older people are some certainly many older people would be likely not to spend the amount of money they need to keep the houses warm, because they're worried about bills, they're worried about getting into debt. We know that many older people choose prepayment meters, for instance, which is an expensive way of paying for your fuel, and the reason they do that is that they're basically. Assured that they won't get a bill, they can't pay. But in effect, they disconnect themselves if they can no longer afford to feed the meter. And we're working with Scottish Power to try and persuade them to change the system where prepayment fuel meters don't cost any more. There shouldn't be the slightest bit of extra charge because, after all, people are paying in advance 
I also think older people like to have a range of options about methods of payment and many of them like to pay cash in small sums, which doesn't appeal to many of the fuel suppliers. But nevertheless, the sort of profits that these companies make and the fact that they're delivering a service that is everyone's right, well, we would say you just have to make these allowances. People should have options to pay the way that suits them. People who want to pay by direct debit should be allowed to do so. People who want to pay with cash should do so. And we must remember that many people on lower incomes, older people especially, don't have bank accounts. And banks won't allow you to open one unless you've got a fairly regular income. Jackie Carlin's experience in the Dundee district of Charleston also confirms what Angela says. It's very hard to get a bank account if you haven't got a job anyway. So, yeah, a lot of people don't have bank accounts. We've got something in Charleston called the Charleston Credit Union, which started up a few years ago, and that's like a people's bank. And, yes, it's easier for the people to access because it's here in Charleston and the collections are twice a week. And people can borrow from there, but obviously only so much, you know, part of whatever they've put in. So that makes it easier for the people to, to actually own a, a bank account and, and borrow. That's the only facility apart from if they go to lenders like Provident, people like that, and then they're paying horrendous interest on that. I know firsthand, you know, how much they take back on that. Yeah, you find more people are going towards these people. That's their only source of getting a loan, either the credit union or the, these Providents and different places like that. Florence Foster is a Manchester woman who has lived in Dundee for many years. She's now in sheltered accommodation, but previously was renting from a private landlord. Together with her friend Doreen, she recalls what the place was like. When you first went in, it was a long hallway and the bedroom was on the right when you went in. That was just a small bedroom. There was a built-in wardrobe which was absolutely green with mould. I put my clothes in it not knowing. I had to throw them out. They were all stinking and green with mould. That's when I found out how damp it was. The main heating was in the living room, which was an electric fire, a two-bar electric fire. Three bars. Three bars. I bar. couldn't put three but, no, bars. You couldn't, you she wouldn't them. run three bars. But, uh, I mean, I know when I was up, you, you felt the coldness oh, through your feet. You did. I, don't, I think if you'd have had three fires in there, you still wouldn't have got that bedroom dry. I was getting bad colds and that, you know. I was in my bed for a fortnight at a time, wasn't I? And then that last time, oh. I wouldn't have cared, but I got a needle every year for the flu, and I took secondary flu, they call it. Just about killed me. I went down to the landlord and asked them to do something, and they told me to open the windows. And I said, you are joking, it's freezing. I said, plus I'm on the ground floor, I'd be robbed. I was in a bad place up there. I says, could I get those whirly things, you know, the whirly things in the window? Oh, no, she says, we couldn't do that. This was the receptionist. I couldn't get past her. Plus my, my kitchen window, they put a new window in when they renovated the place. They'd have been as well leaving it out. Mm. It was freezing. The draft that was coming through was nobody's business. Angela Yee at Age Concern Scotland has also come across situations like this. It's quite difficult to improve conditions in the private rented sector because it's not regulated. There should be some kind of regulation where houses that become unfit to live in, landlords shouldn't be allowed to let them out. 
We also believe landlords should often, you know, should be encouraged to join in ways of improving houses and be helped. Sometimes uh, when you work with landlords and offer them grants, what the result is an improvement in people's quality of life and an improvement in the housing stock. So we're not keen on the local authority attitude. We often come across that we shouldn't be giving any financial help to landlords. If they're offering a service and going to offer a, a service that's needed, then they're entitled to help as well. Older people in general have lower or static incomes than other groups in the population and we have identified over the years that many older people live in the poorest housing conditions that there are in Scotland, particularly older homeowners. The older you become as an older homeowner, the more likely your house is to be needing quite significant repairs and also in the private rented sector, which has, proportionally anyway, the worst housing conditions in the country. Under the government's home energy efficiency scheme, called Warm Deal in Scotland, grants of up to £500 are available to people who qualify. And as a consequence of the Home Energy Conservation Act, or HECA, all local authorities are required to have an energy efficiency strategy for their housing stock. At Hamilton in the Clyde Valley, pensioner Elizabeth Belk is a homeowner. She's taking part in a trial scheme run by Scottish Power and EGRA, the organisation that has UK government funding to spend on energy efficiency projects. Under the warm deal, she's been able to get insulation work done at her home. After it was done, I mean, it was funny. You could get into the rooms and... Different times again, you'd strip line that there was a heater on, but it was the heat coming through the loft down that you felt. Some days, it depends, I think, which way the wind's blowing, right, you know. But different days, you have actually switched your heating off because it was too warm. I put it down to the lowest bit. The heat, with the doors being shut, the heat off the storage heater, just hits it, you get in the kitchenette, and it's on a wee storage here, but it's where the kitchenette being so wee, you, you feel the heat everywhere you're going. My grandson will say if he'd been out late, and he comes in, and the central heat has clicked on, he'll say, Nana, do you need to make this house like a steamy? But it's not, it's just the heat, the, the house is holding the heat, and that's just how it is. Scottish Power worked out a weekly payment regime for Mrs Belk. She now pays £15 a week through summer and winter. And during the trial period, to check that she doesn't go over her limit, read the meter each month. As part of the scheme, she also received a benefits health check from EGRA. When her local DSS told her that she wasn't entitled to any more benefits, Mrs Belk turned to EGRA for advice. Right, I says, that's fine, I'll just notify Ega. You say I'm not entitled to it. So I phoned them up on a free phone number and I said to them who I was and said, yes, how could you help me? And I said to them, remember you told me that I was entitled to it? Yes, I says, well, the DSS say I'm not entitled to it. Just give me a minute to check it again. She read over everything that I told her, how much I had, how much my husband had my mobility, and she says, I'll get this checked out by my boss, I'll phone you back. She says, well, no, hold up the lines, I'll phone you back. She phoned me back in an hour and a half, and she says, Mrs Belk, my boss still says, 
You're entitled to this money. I'll tell you what, she says. I'll put it in the post tonight. I'll work it all out for them. Exactly what you're entitled to. Eager had worked it out that I was entitled to income support with my pension to pay my mortgage, which I was not getting. And if it hadn't been for them, I would never have received this extra money because I would never have known about it. And my pension went up. The DSS had to put it up from £39 to £51. Wrongly calculated benefits, or no benefits at all, is a constant problem, which Angela Yee is well aware of. Every year we have a Your Rights Week in Age Concern, the movement in general, Wales, Ireland, England and Scotland, to encourage older people to take up the benefits they're entitled to. We're not really aware if it has a great success rate. We tend to be preaching to the converted. The people who don't claim benefits either don't understand the benefit system, don't respond to an advert, or don't want to claim the benefits. The older the age group, the more reluctant people seem to be, particularly people over 75, come from an era where where there's still a stigma attached to any kind of benefit. And also... People have low expectations and living in conditions that are so below what you and I would expect, but they have been so used to that, they actually believe they have enough because they don't know what it's like to have any more. When Miss Foster moved out of her old, cold house to sheltered accommodation, she found out how things could be. I think it's great. Yeah. Although, mind you, the first week I come in, I couldn't stick the heat. <laughs> that was threatened. <laughs> You're acclimatised to it I've now, got, I've so got used fine. to it. And that's the whole house heated. Yeah. But if the 738,000 households, presently classed as fuel poor, are to end up feeling as happy as Miss Foster, there remains a lot more work to be done. Ian Trainer recognises that money is needed from somewhere, if the old Dundee tenements are to be made more habitable. There's really no way that we could insulate these properties with the, the current funding that's available through the grant system. We could insulate the lofts, but for someone who doesn't have a loft, basically all we could do is provide some draft-proofing, which really doesn't help to keep the heat within the fabric of the building. The grant really has to be enlarged so that we could basically go in and either internally lag the property to keep the heat in or clad them from the exterior to make them a lot warmer than what they physically are because they are difficult to heat. Really, we look to government really to play more money in to try and overcome the problems that we do face in Dundee. The Scottish Executive have gone some way to recognise the need to address fuel poverty and energy inefficiency in the housing stock. But a lot of the measures are fairly piecemeal and difficult to become aware of, difficult to utilise, difficult to target to the people who need it most. What we'd be looking for would be more of a strategy that's linked and coordinated from one particular reference point. For instance, the Home Energy Conservation Act makes local authorities responsible for measuring energy efficiency in their stock. Now, if they had the proper resources and staffing, the HECA unit, as it's called, could take the lead in coordinating the policy at local area level. And we might get somewhere then because we would have targets that are measurable and we'd know if we'd achieved much. At the moment, all we know is that the Warm Deal grant has met its targets in terms of money being spent. But 
it hasn't actually met its target as far as we know in terms of the types of household they most wanted to reach. There are certain things that one can't afford if one's on a low salary. But to be able to heat your home should not have anything to do with how much you earn. You need a decent house, a well-insulated house, an efficient heating system, and you don't really have to pay a lot of money to keep warm. From the Open University. For more information, go to www.open.ac.uk forward slash use.